Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. open up God's Word. Here in uh, Philippians chapter 4, um, we are going to take a little bit different approach to our morning message. Uh, pastor Armstrong, our senior pastor, uh, him and his wife Shelly are gone away this week, and um, currently he's going through a series on Revelation. And if you have been here, you know it's been an encouragement to all of us and to learn uh, what's to come and how we could be prepared for it and how we could tell those around us to be ready for what God will ultimately do and how it should drive our actions to today. But this morning, uh, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4 and uh, kind of take a different approach. Pastor is going through a a verse-by-verse series through Revelation, but this morning we're going to do more of a topical message on the topic of contentment. And here in Philippians chapter 4, I invite your attention to verse number 10 through 13 this morning. The Bible says this, But I, this is Paul talking to the church in Philippi in his letter to them, he says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. For I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Would you join me as we open in a word of prayer? Father, we are so thankful that we could come as the body of Christ this morning And we could come and be encouraged and challenged through your word. God, I'm so thankful for the the preparation and the investment that all of the musicians and those in the choir and special music put into the first part of our service every single week. God, it prepares our hearts for this time of the service where we can open your word and your living word can speak to us this morning. God, I ask that as we discuss the topic of contentment. Lord, that it won't just be something that was last Thursday as we celebrated, but that it'll be a lifestyle that we all live. God, I ask that you'll be with the message now, that you'll be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, as we look at Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, we will seek to learn more about contentment and the necessity to have it in our lives. And as we uncover the source of contentment, it reminded me of a story that I recently read. The story goes, says something like this, that there was a man who went to his pastor for some counseling. And he was in the midst of a financial collapse. Everything around him was going bad. And so he went to his pastor and he says, Pastor, I've lost everything. Maybe you've felt that way at some point in your life. I have lost everything. The pastor looks at him and he says, I am so sorry to hear that you've lost your faith. He says, no, I didn't say that the man corrected him. I haven't lost my faith. 
pastor sits back and he says, well, then I'm so sad to hear that you've lost your character. I didn't say that, he corrected. I still have my character. I'm sorry to hear that you've lost your salvation. That's not what I said, the man objected. I haven't lost my salvation either. Well, the pastor responded, you, you have your faith, you have your character, and you have your salvation. Seems to me that you've lost none of the things that really matter. And you know what, I think if we are all honest, there have been seasons of our life where we look and we say, I have lost everything. Maybe you had a job that was your, what you anticipated for the rest of your life, and like that, it slipped away. Maybe it was a family relationship that you had, and maybe during the Christmas season and Thanksgiving season, so many people are, are heartbroken because the person that they celebrated with it last year is no longer there to celebrate it this year. And if we're not careful, we could go through seasons of our life where we say, God, you've taken everything. But if we, have to, we need to take a step back and realize that we can still be content in every season of our life. This morning, would you join me in the journey to discover the place of contentment? And this morning, we just have three questions. A uh, simple message this morning, but three questions that we seek to answer uh, talking about contentment. First of all, what is contentment? What is contentment? If I were to ask you what contentment would, what is, you'd probably say something along the lines of being thankful or being content or being okay with your current scenario. But let's really jump in and what exactly is contentment? In verse number 11 there, Paul says that he learned to be content. John Stott defined contentment this way. Contentment is the secret of inward peace. It remembers the stark truth that we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. So we should travel light and live simply. This simple definition highlights the truth that it is impossible to live a life or that it is possible to live a life that is at peace. However, until we learn contentment, your life will not be at peace. There will be a constant turmoil in your soul that will not settle until contentment is learned. So what is contentment? Contentment, first of all, I see is contentment is an inward trust. Contentment is an inward trust. Someone said this, biblical contentment is an inward trust in God's sovereignty and goodness that produces the fruit of joy and peace and thanksgiving in the life of a believer regardless of outward circumstances. So contentment is an inward trust that ultimately God is there and he will provide for us. But where does this inward trust found? Well, contentment is found, is a, contentment is an inward trust that first of all, God is present. That God is present. There have been times, I'm sure, in your life where you have looked and you said, I've lost everything. But Hebrews 13 verse 5 reminds us, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Paul knew that regardless of where he was, God was present with him. And in spite of where your circumstances may be this morning, where you feel like you may not be content, God is still present with you and that might be a cliche thing to say that might be a trite thing to say but if we're not careful we'll say well i know god is with me but i wish but listen if all we ever had was god's presence and we were really able to tune in to him communing with us our lives would be so much different 
So contentment is an inward trust that God is present, but contentment, secondly, is an inward trust that God will provide. It's not just that God is present, but it also means that God will provide. One of my favorite passages of uh, Scripture is in Matthew chapter 6. Verses 30 through 34, the Bible says, Wherefore, if if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall shall he not much more clothe ye, O you, or O ye of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought on the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient Unto the day is the evil thereof. And in this passage, we really understand that God is the one who provides for us. And contentment is an inward trust, not only that God is present, but that God will provide for us. This past Thanksgiving season, hopefully on Thursday, you maybe you took a moment, and if you're our family, what we always do is be, the, the turkey is right there, and everything is hot. And then we say, let's just take a moment And let's just go around the table and thank God for what he's done. And I'm like, this is punishment, right? (laughs) Like we smell, it smells so good. But maybe you took some time this this past week and you went around the table and you said, God, thank you for this. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for my family. Thank you for a church. And whatever God put on your heart, maybe you were thankful for it. But, But contentment is found in understanding that there's an inward trust that God will provide for you. Philippians 4 verse 19 says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So contentment is an inward trust, but what is what exactly is contentment? Not only is contentment an inward trust, contentment is a learned attribute. Contentment is a learned attribute. There in verse number 11, Paul says that I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So it suggests that he did not possess contentment naturally. He had to learn it in order to possess it. Our natural self is naturally given over to discontentment. If you have not learned contentment, you will naturally be discontent with your life, your environment, your circumstances. You will want something that you don't have, and you will equate that something with contentment in your life. But that isn't true contentment. Once you learn contentment, regardless of your environment or circumstances, you will be content. So now that we've answered the question, what is contentment? First of all, it's an inward trust that God is present and that God will provide. Secondly, contentment is a learned attribute. But the second question this morning, we find in verse number 12. And the second question is this, where is contentment not found? Where is contentment not found? If we know about Paul, here in verse number 12, he says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So there's four areas that contentment is not found in. First of all, contentment is not found in your circumstances. Contentment is not found in your circumstances. Now, Paul wrote this letter here, Philippians, uh, while he was sitting in a jail cell. 
Now, we're not exactly sure where he was at. Uh, some people believe he was in Rome. Some people believe he was in Ephesus. But regardless of where he was, he was still sitting in a jail cell. Paul was persecuted the church, was saved. Now he's ministering the church. He's seeing churches started. He's seeing people saved. Lives change. Things are going great. But now, in his life, he finds himself in a jail cell. And he's writing this letter. He's pinning this letter. And I see from this, this passage that contentment is not found in your circumstances. Not only was Paul in prison, Paul didn't know if he would ever get out of prison. Paul didn't know if this was going to be the last season of his life that he would ultimately die by martyrdom there in, in either Ephesus or Rome. So we don't exactly know what, what, what the situation was, but we do know that he was in prison wondering what was going to happen in his life. Regardless of the prison and upcoming death, he was content. The contentment he possessed was not a result of his circumstances. And if you're like me, life will be going great. The kids are healthy. The wife is happy. There's food on the table. Life is going really good. And we could be content. But if our contentment is rooted in the, the goodness of our circumstances, then when the goodness of our circumstances ceases, there goes our contentment. And so if our contentment is rooted in our circumstances, we will be sorely disappointed. So I see that Paul shows us that contentment is not rooted in your circumstances. But secondly, contentment also is not found in your status. Contentment is not found in your status. Paul states in verse number 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Paul experienced the highs and lows of this life. He experienced the thrills of the mountaintop. And seeing people saved and come to know the Lord as their Savior and, and leading churches and, and ministering to people and giving his life to serve others, he's seen the thrill of the mountaintops. And now we see that he also understands the despair that is found in the valley. And in our lives, they go from the mountaintop experiences to the valley experiences. The thrills of the peaks to the despairs in the valleys. And Paul knew what it was like to be on the mountaintop. And he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was on the, the spiritual euphoria, and he was ready to see this world change, and he was ready to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. He, uh, the, the prize of the high calling. He was on the mountaintop, but Paul also knew what it was like to be in the valley. He says in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Now, how is it possible that you can go from the thrill and the contentment of the mountaintop to going into the valleys of despair and wanting that God would just take your own life? Now, it's hard to verbalize how that you get there, but if you've been there, you know exactly how that feels. God, I don't know what you're doing right now. My health is, is failing. My, my circumstances are crumbling. And God, I don't know what you're doing. God, it would just be easier for you to take my life so I don't have to deal with this anymore. Paul felt that. But Paul also knew that contentment was not found in his status. 
Paul experienced a season of life where he was in so much despair with the circumstances around him that he wished to die. Yet in spite of the thrill on the mountaintop or the despair in the valley, valley, he was able to understand that contentment was not dependent on the status that he attained. It didn't matter what people thought about Paul. It didn't matter about where he was, who he stood in front of, the, the investment that he made. Paul knew that contentment was not found in his status. But I also see here that he says, thirdly, that contentment is not found in your comfort. Contentment is not found in your com- comfort. In verse number 12, Paul says, Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Now this past week, maybe, maybe we, we ended this past week very full with a Thanksgiving meal and everything that went along with that. And, and we are content because we have been filled. But I love that Paul details so much of what happened in his ministry. And we know that Paul always wasn't filled, that he wasn't always full. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 27, we see Paul experience a lot of physical discomfort in his journey following the Lord. He says this, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. He's saying he was beaten by the Jews. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and faithfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Paul went through beatings and shipwrecks, extreme hunger and thirst, and so much more. Yet, in spite of the physical discomfort he experienced, he learned that he could still be content through it all. And I want to kind of hasten through what contentment is not so we can really focus on the third part of our message. So notice with me, fourthly, contentment also is not found in your health. Contentment is not found in your health. There in verse number 12, he, he, he finishes and he says this, I know both how to abound and to suffer need. Paul knew what it was like to have failing health. He shares this in 2 Corinthians verse, in 12, verses 7 through 10. And he says, The less I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, he's not talking about a person here. He's talking about his, uh, something regarding his health. And he says this, that there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he sent unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And if our contentment is rooted in our health, then many times of life we'll go through times where we are not healthy, and there goes our contentment. While we don't know exactly what this physical ailment was with Paul, some people think that it was poor eyesight. We don't exactly know. He did not allow it to stop his contentment. There was a man who came to his pastor and began telling him all the things that made him wealthy. He was telling about his houses that he owned and the bank accounts that he had, the businesses that he had. And at the end of the conversation, he says, Pastor, all I, I said all that to say this. It's all God. God is the one who gave it to me. Yet after the crash or the marking house crash in 2008, he went back to his pastor and he says, Pastor, everything is gone. My business is gone. My, my, my house is gone. My primary source of income 
is God. And he finished that conversation by saying the same thing. Pastor, it's okay, because it was all God's. You see, the pastor knew that he was sincere because the smile on his face and the brightness of his eyes revealed he truly believed it. This man knew what contentment was in spite of his circumstances, his status, his comfort, or his health. And as you look at your life, is your contentment rooted in your circumstances? The things that are going on around you, the the relationships that are giving you life, what happens when all of that goes to pot and they're all gone? You quickly find if your contentment is rooted in those circumstances. Is your contentment rooted in your status? Is your contentment rooted in your comfort? Is your contentment rooted in your health? If your contentment is is placed in those things, you will be sorely disappointed because all four of those things will quickly disappear. But I want to spend the majority of the message this morning on our third point. Where is contentment found? Where is contentment found? We've seen what is contentment. We've seen where contentment is not found. But lastly this morning, let's ask the question this. Where is contentment found? In verse number 10, Paul answers this very question. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Now, sometimes, I think if we're honest, we'll read the Bible and we don't know what it says. <laughs> we're, we're not exactly sure what it's talking about. And here, when you, we read that, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because now at the last, your care of me hath flourished again. What exactly is he talking about? Again, we know at this point of Paul's life, he found himself in a prison cell. In this season of Paul's life, he was in great need, and and ultimately he was thinking that this was going to be the end of his life. Everything around him was dark, it was bleak, there was no encouragement from people around him, they were all prisoners, and and he was very, he was very, he was in a season of his life where the circumstances were not favorable. Yet in this season of life, God prompted the church in Philippi to send a gift to Paul. And so here we see that, that Paul received this gift, and in turn he writes this letter back to the church in Philippi, and he says, I can't tell you enough how greatly God met my need through what you have given me. While it is not clear to know exactly what they sent, it is evident that whatever it was truly impacted Paul. Paul did not know what was ultimately going to happen in his life, but he did know this, that God would provide for him. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know if that was going to be his, his final days on this earth. He didn't know if he'd ever get out of prison. But he did know this, that the God who provided for him in the past would be the same God that provided for him in the future. And James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And this morning, I see the first contentment. Contentment is found in God's provision. Contentment is found in God's provision. Again, during this Thanksgiving season that apparently has passed, but this Thanksgiving season, we paused and we remembered what God has done for us. And we could be so grateful for what God has done for us. But have we ever stopped to not just thank God for what he has done in the past, 
but what God will do in the future. You see, Paul here was thanking them and thanking God that, that God provided for him. While this past week we stopped and thanked God for what he has done for us, did we stop and thank God for what he will do in the future? You see, we can say God always has provided for me. And the same God that doesn't change will be the God who will provide for me. And the God that has provided for me will be the God that will provide for me. And if you've had a time like this in your life where God has provided for you amongst uncertain circumstances, you know that he will provide for you in the future. I remember uh, in 2020, we were able to go on a mission trip to the country of Myanmar. And there's a large group in our church that went there. We went on a pastor's conference, and, and uh, it was just an incredible trip. But the whole time we were there, uh, Janessa, we were able to, Janessa was able to go with me, and, and we had a great time while we were there. Uh, but while we were there, uh, Janessa was very tired for some reason. And while we were there, every smell around in Myanmar was just making her nauseous. And we're like, hmm, you're tired and you're nauseous. That must mean something's going on inside of you. And so we, uh, we, we went, we kind of we, we kind of anticipated that she was pregnant when we went to Myanmar. Um, but we got back from Myanmar and we scheduled an appointment and we were able to go to the doctor and uh, we were sitting there in the doctor's uh, office and uh, Raylan, our oldest, was about a year at this point. And so she was sitting in my lap there in the doctor's office and now, mind you, 2020 was when COVID really started picking up. And so uh, this was actually the only appointment that I was able to go throughout all of Janessa's pregnancy. But we were sitting there, and uh, the lady started getting all the stuff out to do the ultrasound on Janessa. And while we were sitting there, again, we had been through this before. So we knew that the lady there was just going to start making small talk with us, right? Like, how was your day today? How's the weather? And all the stuff that she didn't care to ask me, and I didn't care to answer. But that's just what they do, right? But this whole time she's sitting there, she isn't saying a word. And again, we had been through that with Raylan, so we're kind of thinking, something's wrong. We know that she's pregnant. Uh, she's been, we're just getting validation now that she is. And so we're kind of going through this, and, and so we, we're kind of looking at each other like something going on, and, and the air was so thick because we, th we thought something was wrong. And the lady spoke out, and she says, um, for the first time, and she's like, well, uh, do twins run in your family? And we're thinking, that's an odd way to break the silence. <laughs> uh, no, twins do not run in our family. And then we're like, oh, that's, that's a weird way, small talk. And then she's like, well, let me make sure that there's not three in there. And we're like, wait a second. <laughs> uh, you, filled us, you should have filled this, us in on this whole time. And, and sure enough, Janessa had, we, we, we had twins. And so we, we're so thankful that, that God provided a, a great, and, and, and blessed Janessa with a great pregnancy. And she really did have a good pregnancy. Well, time comes for us to go to the hospital to have the girls delivered. And uh, um, I just remember, it, it's just like, it just plays through my mind. There's so many emotions going through my mind and um, going in. And again, COVID's happening, so there's no visitors. Uh, they said, once you enter the hospital, you can't leave. So we were like moving into this hospital. We had the car seat, we had all these bags. And, and I just wanted like Chick-fil-A or something. I'm like, I'm so hungry. And there's just so much going on. And, and yet here we were. Uh, in the hospital, and, and thankfully, Janessa had a great delivery of the babies. Um, but really, as soon as we had uh, the two babies, Emery and Brinley, uh, the, the doctors came and they said, uh, Emery, uh, we, we think that she needs a little bit of TLC. And they took uh, Emery and they took her into NICU. And uh, she, uh, this is, 
this little Emery, she's our, our stinker now, but at the time we didn't know that. And uh, at the time they said that uh, Emery's going to need a little bit of TLC. And what they meant by that was tender, loving care. But when I heard ten- TLC, I thought, terribly lavished cost. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, honestly, I, I wanted Emery to be the, I wanted her to be in good care. And, and I'm thankful that she got the good care. But, but if I'm honest, as I was following the bassinet into NICU, I'm thinking, Lord, this is going to cost some money. And, and as, we were, as I followed the, the doctors and the nurses into NICU, I was praying, God, please be with Emery, that whatever is going on in her, in her ultimately being her lungs, God, that you would just put your hand on her lungs and heal her lungs or just heal her. But God, I also ask that you would just provide for the finances of what this is going to be. And I, I think I could be honest this morning. I, I was a little bit uh, fearful of that. And uh, we, Janessa and I had decided that Janessa was going to stay home uh, during this time. And so it was just my income. And, and that's fine. And, and, and so we, I, honestly, I said, Lord, please provide for this. Well, thankfully, Emery was healthy, was able ultimately to be discharged uh, with the rest of our family a couple days later, and, and she's great. She's been super healthy ever since. And, um, but you know how our, our, our system works here in America with, with medical bills, right? You get them the next week that you're out of the hospital, right? No, just kidding, that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, so up until June of this year, when they're almost two years old, we still kept getting medical bills for, um, for, for the stay that Emory had, and we were fighting some of them. Um, and, and nonetheless, I sat there, and I was looking at the medical bills. And this whole time, I knew that we would be receiving more. And I was just saying, Lord, please provide for us. God, you know what's going on. You know what's happening. But God, please just provide for us. So I sat down and I looked. And uh, I had to make some payments, you know, because I don't want the debt collectors coming after me. And I'll never forget this. And um, uh, when I looked at the, my Excel spreadsheet, and I had all the bills there. It was $2,087.10. And while some of you might say, oh, that's nothing. For me, I was like, that's a lot of money. And I remember just praying, Lord, I've been praying this whole time, just provide. Provide for our family. And our, our bills came out to $2,087.10. Well, unbeknownst to Janessa and I, someone had, had told Pastor that, that he wanted to bless uh, some, of, some in our staff uh, just thank them for what they're doing. And so pastor came and he just said, hey, just on your next paycheck, you'll notice a little bit increase. Someone gave some money to, uh, to just to say thank you or whatever. And so um, I said, okay, well, I'll get, I'll put on my, I said, who was it? And like, well, we can't tell you, it's anonymous. And to this day, I have no idea who it was. And, and I said, well, I'll get a thank you note ready and I'll give it. And so I put it on my to-do list and I, I honestly, I completely forgot about it. And uh, the time came where I was, about to pay the bills, and I went to my bank account, and I was like, hmm, why do I have that much money in there? <laughs> and I went, and I looked at my paycheck, and uh, I, honestly, I completely had forgotten about it. And um, I, I tell you this story not to say anything, but to say that God is so good. After, so again, our bills were $2,087.10. After I looked at the paycheck, the gift was $2,087.05. Now, maybe I did a little bit of miscalculations. Maybe my bills were actually 2008, regardless. But, but I sat there, and I was just like, there is no way. There's no way. 
Janessa and I, we didn't tell anybody about this. We didn't tell what, anybody what was going on. We just cast our care before the Lord and said, Lord, you've provided for us up until this point. So God, we just ask that you provide for us in the future. We just ask that you would provide for us right now. And unbeknownst to us, God, had, God had, had put this on someone's heart to bless us, and that person had no idea what they were doing. But God used that person in such a great way. And when I wrote that, that thank you note, and, and again, I have no idea who it was, but I just said, thank you for being an answer to prayer. And you know, Paul was doing the exact same thing. He was in the midst of a prison cell, and God laid it on someone's heart to bless him. And I can't tell you how many stories there are, even in our church, where a need is shared. And God touches someone's heart to, to pay for that need or to, to, to bless it forward or whatever it might be. And, and contentment is found in God's provision. But, but here's what I want us to understand, that God's provision will happen in God's timing. Sometimes we have to go through a period of life or a season of life where we don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from. Where we don't know where the next maybe meal comes from where we don't know where the next victory is going to come from, and we say, Lord, I'm trusting in you right now because there's no way that I, in my mind, I can make ends meet here. But it's in those moments where all other humanly resources are out of, they're out of stock. There's nothing there where we can say, Lord, in this moment, I need you to provide like you always have before. Contentment is found in God's provision. The, the, the church there in Philippi were able to meet Paul's needs by giving, a, giving of themselves to provide for Paul. But, but not only is contentment found in God's provision, in verse number 11 we see contentment is found in God's perspective. Contentment is found in God's perspective. Paul says in verse number 11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, Paul understood that every state or season he was in came from God. Therefore, in order for him to be content, he needed to look at that season through God's perspective. This morning, every one of us, and what I love about our church is that it's very multi-generational. There are people here who are single, and there are people here who are in their 90s. And all throughout the demographics and the spasm or the chasm of our, our lives, we will go through circumstances. And we will go through trials and we'll go through seasons where we say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. Maybe we go back to the very opening illustration where we say, God, you've taken everything from me. There's nothing left. But instead of looking at the limitations of each season of life, how much would our life change if we looked at the blessings of each season. You know, I, I don't know where, where, where you're at in your life right now, but the Bible meets us where we're at. And Paul says that no matter what state or season he was in, he learned that he could be content in that season. And you know, many times, if you're like me, you know, you know the limitations of the season of life that you're in. Whether you have young kids or maybe you have no kids, and wherever it might be, you say there's limitations here, but what if we instead of looking at the limitations, we looked at the blessings of each season of life. But I also understand that you don't have to be thankful for every season of life, but you can be thankful in every season of life. You know, when I, when I hear about people who, have, who are going through cancer, or, or, or when Pastor Armstrong, my dad, when well, I remember when I was uh, in fourth or fifth grade, we were at the beach, and we were having this great vacation, and, and, and he gathered us together, and he says, just so you know, I have cancer. And we're like, 
and in my mind, I'm like, you ruined vacation. Like, why drop that us on here at the beach? But, but regardless of what news you're getting, you don't have to be thankful for every season, but you could be thankful in every season. You could be content in every season because God, God wants us to go through every season, and if we look at it through his perspective, we can be content. As we strive to be content, we can be reminded of the old Puritan preacher. He sat down for dinner with a meal of bread and water, and he bowed his head and declared, all this and Jesus too? No, frankly speaking, if we look at our lives through God's perspective, no matter what happens, no matter where we're at in our life, no matter what season we're going through, we could say, God, you have been so good. Help me to live through this season with your perspective in my life. 1 Timothy, six through six, 1 Timothy 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment therewith, let us, or let us therewith be content. What this, what this passage is talking about, what is God's perspective for our lives? If I can't take anything out of it, what, what should my life be about? Becoming more like God. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment is found in God's provision and in God's perspective. But notice lastly in verse number 13, contentment is found in God's power. Contentment is found in God's power. Now, Philippians 4.13 is one of the most famous verses of the Bible. But I think if we're honest, Philippians 4 verse 13 is often one of the most misquoted verses of the Bible. This is not the verse that says that you could go uh, lift a car over your head. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not saying that you can, whatever it is. It's not talking about our physical strength. Well, Paul, we have to read this verse in context or, or in the same par- paragraph where it is written. And it's written in the same paragraph that the previous verses deal with. And so Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me is not talking about our human ability. It is tied to what Paul was addressing in verses 10 through 12. Now, if we replace the word things with the word this, it makes a lot more sense. I can do this through all things. uh, I can do this uh, through Christ which strengtheneth me. And he's saying, I can do all the things I've just done. I've had the highs of life. I've had the lows of life. I've had great status, I've had bad status. I've had great comfort, I've had bad comfort. I've had great health, and I've had bad health. And I can do all of this through Christ which strengtheneth me. So contentment is found in God's power. Paul was emphasizing that God was the one who empowered him to be content through the difficult circumstances, discomfort, and healthy challenges. And contentment is ultimately found in God's power in our lives. I close this morning, and you can close your Bibles and put up your notes this morning. And I'll never forget, in 2005, um, I was in fifth grade, and um, at the time, um, the, the church that we were at um, it was very conservative. And so me and some of my friends and some of our parents uh, went uh, the city over, and we went to the movie theater. And, uh, and we went and we watched the movie called End of the Spear. 
And while we were there watching Into the Spear, it was, I think it was like the second movie I'd ever seen in the movie theater. And I was just blown away by everything there. But the story was, that was told was about the five missionaries um, who went to Ecuador to give their lives to share the, the gospel with the native people, uh, the, the Aka Indians. And the story, End of the Spear, was kind of written off the book, Gates of Splendor, and it talks about Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and those missionaries who ultimately gave their lives. And, and if you know the story, bear with me, but these, these five missionaries and their families went to Ecuador, and, and they began there to do Bible translation and putting the Bible, translating the Bible 